Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. I am a champion. <laughs> Yo, what's going on, everybody? It's the I Am a Champion show with Jonathan Flowers, Jimmy Huber. How are we doing today, fellas? You got to be pumped on that, Jonathan. Come on now. I mean, my gosh. That's like you coming out of the tunnel. Dude, that was a great intro, Jason. Great intro, great intro, Jimmy. Hey, guys, today we have two women that are very special to me. I know them both personally. Um, we are going to talk about women in sports today and how athletics and how, they sh- how they're shaping both young girls and women and how it's affecting both the business world, coaching, and just entrepreneurial-wise. Uh, the first one is Addie Hochschild. She is a, used to be a former UOP, which is University of Pacific Island, California player. She also coached at UC Davis, and she's also a phenomenal club coach in our area and, and great mentor to young girls. The other one is Kayla Bayham, and she has been part of a lot of entrepreneurial things, both in the communities and building things with youth and sports and connecting things, both to NFL, NBA, and sports of that nature. But, hey, the ladies can introduce themselves better than I can because, you know, we always don't get things right. So, hey, Jason, Jim, why don't you let the ladies come on board? Yeah, sure. Uh, Addie, welcome. Kayla, welcome. How are we doing today, ladies? Good morning. Good. How are you? Doing well. Wonderful. Doing Good well. morning. Thank you for having us. Yeah. Um, you know, Addie, let's start with you. Addie, um, you know, being in the volleyball, I actually married into a volleyball family myself. Uh, mm-hmm. My sister-in-law's played college volleyball. My wife played high school volleyball. So, um, you know, with, with volleyball being such a prominent sports for women, like how have you been able to, to leverage that and, and build the, uh, the women's game and the importance of women in sports? Like how have you been able to use volleyball to do that? Um, well, you know, I've, I've spent so long in the sport um, that I figure, you know, what, what a way to, to give back. And not everybody's journey is, is identical, um, but I, I love the lessons that's, that, that volleyball has given me and the, the places it's taken me. Um, and I try to, to give that to other girls and help inspire them um, to reach further than they think they can go. Um, you know, the, you get to travel. There's lots of benefits to, to playing volleyball. Um, and, you know, if you had asked me five years ago where if, if I would have had the path that I had, you know, no way. There's no way I would have predicted that where I actually went with it um, was uh, would have come to fruition. Um, so I think there that the part of pushing through the lessons um, and encouraging girls to uh, go through a similar path and, and give them the tools to work through it um, is vital for their confidence and vital for them to be productive members of society. Yeah, I want to jump in on this. I know Jonathan spoke to me about he met you at a volleyball kind of tournament. His daughter uh, played, I think, a match against your team and uh, didn't do well, his, his daughter's team. But he, he knew his daughter really wanted to succeed in volleyball. Then he saw something special in you and your teams. And approach you and talk to you about just volleyball in general. And you kind of mentioned that, you know, hey, your daughter looks like she has a high ceiling. I mean, she, she could really go play some volleyball. I love mm-hmm. to work for some time. And he, he he was open to that and that took place. But I feel like Jonathan kind of mentioned maybe her confidence was down. She, her belief in herself was down. What did you do? Like you, you've taken Jordan and you made her into a, a college volleyball player that's getting a college scholarship. Tell me what you did with her and what coach can do to take someone that has this raw ability and this potential that maybe doesn't believe in themselves. And what did you do to get her to really start to believe in herself and take the steps to move that direction to receive a college scholarship and never know what she's going to do in volleyball in the future? Yeah, I think that's a, that's a good question. Um, I think that it's about helping the athlete, helping her 
specifically understand what it is that she's trying to do with her skill. Um, and when they understand what they're trying to do, regardless of who's coaching them, what direction it's coming from or what verbiage the coach is using, if I can help her understand how to do it and what it feels like, um, then she can duplicate it and repeat it on her own. And then she starts to kind of self-coach. Um, and then it snowballs into this whirlwind of confidence um, because she did it herself. Um, so if, if she can, if she can just understand what she's trying to do, um, it, it allows her window to open up so she can receive all kinds of different verbiages and coaching and, and, and such. So I think that, you know, her being able to latch on is kudos to her because not everybody can do that. Did you give her like positive self-talk or create an image of what she could be when, you know, somebody's maybe doubting themselves? Is that some, uh, maybe approach you took with her a little bit? Yeah, well, I, you know, I, I encourage um, or reinforce that what she's doing currently isn't wrong. It's not the wrong way to do it, um, but we need to access a better way, a more efficient way of her understanding of it. Um, for example, if she, if her coach wants to, her to hit down the line and he's yelling at her, hit down the line, hit down the line, hit down the line, why aren't you hitting down the line? Um, she comes to me and says, I'm trying to hit down the line, but I can't, I, I keep missing. Um, so then we have to figure out, is there, is she afraid to take the chance? Is she just not physical enough? Like where do we need to make her better so that she can hit down the line? And I'm a huge fan of coaching by feel. Um, <clears throat> so if I can get her to feel what her arm is doing and feel what her core is doing and feel what her body's doing, um, then she can repeat that because she can feel what she's doing versus just blindly trying to swing down the line and hope that it goes in. Um, is, so, there any, is there any type of exercise you do with your athletes to get them to be able to feel something that other coaches could, could implement as well with their athletes? Um, well, it's re high repetitions. If you repeat that feeling over and over and you try to um, du duplicate it, um, I think that that is a, is a heavy tool, but um, you know, imagery. Um, and I love to use, um, you know, describing what it feels like to me. Um, for example, if I want her to access her core and get some power in her hit, she needs to come forward and bring her chest down and bring, you know, almost like bring her chest way down and, and it makes you bring your spine to the ceiling. And it feels like you're wearing a really heavy backpack. Um, or imagine you've got a turtle shell on your back and you have to show your shell to the ceiling. So if you paint that picture for them um, of what it's like, uh, like an analogy, I love coaching by analogy, um, then they can kind of put the image in their head and do it. And sometimes they don't even know that that's what they're doing. All they see in their head is I got a turtle shell on my back and I got to show it to the ceiling. Um, and then all of a sudden they access their core. Wow, that's good. Hey, you know, I love Ninja Turtles back in the day. So that's a great analogy for myself. I actually imagine myself having it. You know, Michelangelo with the orange, you know, and ready to go. So, yeah. right? Yeah. Hey, it's that imagery, Jonathan. I know. Hey, don't come on, man. You know, you got it. There's a big smile <laughs> on your face there. And, uh, Jonathan, I know, like, you know, we talked with Kayla here as well with what she's doing. How are you using the, you're in the more in the NFL football space, right? So, Kayla, what are you doing to help women in that space, uh, not only with the sport, but in and out of sports as well? Thank you. And it's a great question. 
I'm really um, all about building stronger, healthier, and more inclusive communities through sports. And that space gives me the opportunity to work across the leagues with athletes, coaches, um, teams to really open up and, and break down the silos that exist within the league to the athletes themselves, to the community at large. So in my role as the VP of Community Development for the Sports Philanthropy Network, I'm able to host a podcast that sits down with professional athletes after retirement, talk about the work that they're doing within the community to create hope and possibility through sports. And honestly, guys, a lot of that comes down to the diversity, equity, and inclusion space. It comes down to creating a space for women and girls in sport. It comes down to athletes in general being physically, emotionally, and spiritually whole people. And I think mm -hmm. as parents, um, as coaches, as athletes, for everyone, right? Yeah, that's awesome, Kayla. Like, I, I do a lot of volunteer work, like with Angel Free Football Camps and Addicted to Athletes, and obviously helping work with Jason and 40 athletes. And one of the things I have seen a definite increase is two things, and as you probably see in the volleyball space as well, is there's an increasing of more diversity. I see more kids of color or more biracial kids, and I also see on the on more traditional, let's say, male side, I see more young girls. <laughs> What do you guys in the community have done? Like, you work with athletes like me. What can we do more locally to help help people work with people like you? How can we help work with people like you to increase that volume? Great question. I think the first thing is honestly just to get involved. That when something's going on in your community, show up, make it important, and teach your kids that. This is one of our family's values. This is what we believe in. So anytime there's a community event and you're able to go and support somebody who's working hard to create change, go do it. Um, you know, here's, here's an example. I was down at the NFL, uh, the NFL Super Bowl this past winter, and there was a food drive. And it was put on in the Tampa Bay community. But the only NFL representation of the Tampa Bay cheerleaders. And when I talked to my friends who are players in the Super Bowl or retired NFLPA, um, they said, Kayla, I didn't know about it. If I knew about it, exactly. I believe in feeding the community. I would have been there throwing little footballs into the cars or doing a digital Zoom as people came by, but I didn't know. So I think the biggest thing is um, from the philanthropic end, it's creating awareness. Let us tell you about our event. Let's create engaging stories. Let's get it up on social media. And then from the community event, support everything, right? Financially, no matter how wealthy you are, that's not possible. But pick the two or three things that matter to you and show up and be passionate about it. Don't just have this, you know, well, whatever attitude, somebody else will do it. It, it really does take a community to make community. I, I, will, I will add one thing for Jimmy. I'll let you talk to me. The challenge, one thing with specifically with the NFL is we have each individual area has their own chapter. And for whatever reason, we don't talk to each other. You'd be surprised that Northern California has its own chapter and Southern California has a chapter. And we've shown up at the same event and didn't know each other were supposed to be there. A golf tournament, um, a kid's charity drive, a Christmas toy drive. And we don't even know. So I totally feel you. 
that's definitely something that uh, to people are listening. We need to work better at coordinating with local people and understanding. And you know, get on social media and find out. There's things Addy works on, and I, I I find out through the grapevine. I know Addy personally. You know, those kind of things. So it's got to be better at that. So I agree with you. I think some too uh, a challenge to just parents in general. Like I, I have an eight and a five year old, is to educate your children as well. And I feel like. This is a May story I told Jason, but this is a couple of years ago, and this was the, the NCAA Final Four, and it's a women's, and it was a great, I mean, the four teams were in it, great games. I'm watching on my phone, on my, uh, on, on the kitchen table, and my son's like, and he was like, I think about five at the time, he goes, Daddy, what are you doing? I go, well, I'm watching a women's basketball game. And we had this little basketball goal in the house, and he's like, women can't play basketball, and my wife was in the kitchen. And I swear, like, she turned, like, sideways, like, what What you talking about, Willis? <laughs> like, and she said, what did you say? And I said, I think he said women can't play basketball. So she came out. She's like, let's go. She goes, I have arms. I have legs. I have this. You want to play? So she started blocking a shot and playing. But it reminded me of some guy, like, in the 1950s or whatever. Like, women can't play no sports. They need to wear them cheerleader, cheerleader outfit and pom-poms, right? But I feel like we have some of that. And you see it changing where it's evolving, where like Becky Hammond's getting interviewed for possible to be a head coach of the Portland Trailblazers. Who thought a, wo- a woman would be a head you know, coach of an NBA uh, basketball team? There's changes taking place, but I think if we can educate our children more and, like you said, include them into um, you know, these events you're talking about and communicate that, hey, women, uh, you know, people of different color, they all have abilities within them that can do great things. I don't know your thoughts on that. And if you want to add to that. No, I I just, you know, I agree with you. And, you know, this is what I always hear is like, well, Kale, it all comes down to viewership. So at the bottom line, sports is entertainment. It's all about the bottom dollar. And I get that, but I think, you know, it's how do we approach it? So when I talk to people about the bottom dollar and I say, you know, for example, let's look at Susan Bird, right? With the WNBA, is it slower? Definitely. It's definitely slower than the NBA. Keep in mind, guys, I live in Milwaukee, right? The, the bucks are going on. I mean, so, so we, our eyes are on the NBA right now. However, there's a WNBA game on Sunday, right? And what I try to point out is the WNBA might be slower, and I'll take that and I'll accept it. But look at the technical accuracy of those women. So as a parent, and I have eight children, I want my kids to understand speed. I want them to understand pivot. I want them to understand all of those technical aspects of the game. But I also want them to understand the technical accuracy. So I really believe there's a a space and a place that's profitable and beneficial in both of those leagues. And when we start getting men to wear WNBA sweatshirts, and when we sort of end this systemic sexism, systemic racism that exists in our communities, and and if we're honest, it is there in Milwaukee. There are no fitness centers in the inner city, right? Um, and and if you ask anybody, they're going to say it's because there aren't parking lots big enough. However, there are fitness centers in Chicago in white affluent areas. So I'm not going to buy it. So until we start creating health and hope for all people, we're still part of the problem. 
Yeah, and, uh, you know, Addy, I want to kind of switch over to you as well. And, and, and that's a great point of trying to create equal opportunities for, for all people. And, you know, Addy, being in the volleyball space for so long, um, how have you seen it be more progressive towards being, you know, more empowering women? And what have you done in your club in general to help give, you know, your girls the confidence that, hey, you can not just be a volleyball player, but you could be a basketball You could, you know, be the first NFL mm-hmm. referee like we just had this year as well. Mm-hmm. What, what are those confidence builders that you give them, like, hey, not necessarily becoming a man's world, it's more an inclusive world, how you get them to believe that, even though maybe the outside world may be saying something? Well, I think I think you, you show them. Um, and we have, you know, 90%, well, so 90%, uh, 96, uh, there's, a, there's a ton of women um, playing sports. Um, and half the population of the world are women. Um, so I think that it gives us a stage, um, being, you know, not just volleyball, but women's sports in general, um, gives us a stage um, where we are on full display, where we can be, we have muscle. Um, some sports don't have as much muscle. Um, we have skill, like Kayla was talking about. There's there's technical skill, there's finesse, there's grace in all of these movements and sports and technicalities um, that sometimes you don't see in, in other sports, in men's sports. Um and we try to talk about that, especially like in our youth academy. Our club has a, a very large volleyball club of 42 teams. Um, and on the side of that, we have a youth academy, which I'm the, the skill director of. Um, and that goes from nine years old all the way to 13 or 14 years old. Um, and we're constantly, you know, developing the idea that you're, you're nine years old right now. You're 10 years old and you're developing a foundation of skill and you don't know where it's going to go. So don't pigeonhole yourself into thinking, oh, I want to be a setter or I want to be um, a hitter. I'm 6'1". I'm going to be I'm going to be a middle. I'm 6'1", and I ended up being a Libro on the Olympic team. Um, so you never know what is going to happen in your career. You never know when a position switch is going to be needed. You never know when you're not going to have sports at all. So you have to be um, open to transitioning um, and being used in whatever you can be in a effective in but that takes confidence and and being a little bit more well-rounded well it's, I'll, i'm gonna jump in here i think one of the things i love about Ali, i'm gonna tote you and so i think how phenomenal she is she's a she's a great communicator when you watch her talk to her girls even in the heat of battle she's very even keeled but she gives them technical instruction it's not you messed up you did this why did you do this it's hey we need to do this better. Do this, do this, do this. It's tactical instruction along with what she's teaching and coaching them. And what I love, what I would love to see a lot more um, coaches like her and like what Kayla's saying is young girls being realized, you're an athlete. You happen to play basketball. You happen to play volleyball. You happen to play softball. You, but Addy always emphasizes athletic technique to that sport. And I think if we do more of that with our young girls and more people focus on that, there are girls with muscle. Our girls with speed. There are girls that are talented. Um, I've seen Jordan beat the brakes off of guys in two-on-two volleyball, like where they didn't even think it was it wasn't even close. And if you looked at them walking up, I wouldn't have bet money on my daughter and her friend. They're, I wouldn't have put a check on her, and they and they, cro- they crushed them. So what I would love to see is like to Kayla and to Addie's point. Do you think if we put the money to society, local local communities, Addie, Kayla, you can answer first. If we put the money in the market that goes into men's sports or other things, do you think that it would get the part and generate the revenue that, that excuse that we don't make as that you guys don't make as much money? Do you think that would solve some of that problem? Well, we know that there's 
funding, right? Yep. We, we know that there's funding. It's a matter of choice and how do we want to spend it? So to answer your question and to be really transparent and frank about it, a lot of parents have daughters, right? And I imagine that a lot of parents who have daughters want to make sure that their daughters are set up to be the adults that are responsible and confident and capable of living adult lives. So we know these things inherently as parents. How do we open up the opportunity to create a path to reach that goal? I think the easiest way, honestly, is through sports. But if we look at sports, I was on a business development call who was complaining to me that when her son was in high school, gasp, he had to play football with a girl. Okay. And I can, I can be open to that sentiment. I, I want to sit in that space and identify with how she's feeling as a parent that her son had to play football with a girl. But I also have a lot of friends who are women in the WNFC. And these women are getting themselves across the United States to games. They're buying helmets, they're buying uniforms, they're buying pads, they're breaking fingers, breaking bones. All of the same injuries that happen in the NFL happen in the women's tackle football leagues as well, right? Except for there's no funding. It's, it's a passion project. And a lot of these women have to support themselves to play football by having other jobs. So you tear your meniscus or you break your ankle, you still have to go to work to pay your rent. So there's disparity there, right? And until we say, where is the funding to answer your question? Where is the funding going to come from? As far as I can tell, that was one of the reasons why Title IX was created. As far as I can tell, that's why we play, pay fees to put our kids in softball, right? Like nothing, nothing has to be a free ride. We need to teach people to work. But at the same time, we have to open the doors to create opportunity in order to be able to even get started to walk through the door. What about you, Addie? What do you think? Uh, well, one thing that, that struck me, I don't know what the solution is to financial-based funding and getting getting that type of stuff um, set up, um, but one thing that, that struck me while Kayla was talking um, is that sports um, are, it's merit-based. Um, and that's one thing that I love so much about it is that I was listening to some other um, woman talk on a, on a podcast, I think it was through PragerU, um, and she was talking about how she wanted to lose weight and she wasn't an athlete. She wasn't, you know, a, a professional you know, basketball player or women's soccer player or former anybody. She's uh, a mom of like six kids and she joined a Taekwondo class um, to get fit, to get back in, into fitness. Um, and she said that, you know, the process of getting fit, if, if you work hard at something, you, you can achieve it, you get it. Um, so what you put into it is what you get out of it. And I believe that about, about all sports, um, it's merit-based. Um, and if you, if you really want something, you, you go out and 
and contribute to it and put the effort into it and love it, you're going to get out exactly what you put into it. Can, can I add something to that, guys? Because I think what Addie said is so important. I talked to so many guys in the NFL, the NHL, but especially the NFL. And they say to me, you know, Kayla, I, I grew up in a bad neighborhood in an inner city. Yeah. And my mom and dad put me in Pop Warner to try to keep me out of trouble. And I fell in love with the uniforms and I worked my butt off. And they say, you know, it was it was the scholarship they never would have had a college degree if it wasn't for that ride that got them to the nfl right so i look at all these guys and they're great guys and the work they're doing after they play ball is even more important than when they were in the nfl but where's that opportunity for girls right like um, Yolanda Moore, um, two-time WNBA champion for the Comets, she said to me, you know, I was just happy to be able to go to college. And she had her first baby as a freshman in college, her second baby as a senior. And she was grateful, forget the WNBA, she was just happy to get a college degree. Do you guys see the disparity there? She was just yeah. happy. Well, to tag on to what you both are saying, I love the whole thing. I agree with the whole merit thing. And Addie knows a little bit about my background. Jason and Jim know a lot more. Like, if I took you to where I grew up, which I actually took Jordan back when I was at, when we were for my mom's 70th birthday, um, you'd be afraid to leave my side. But Jordan got to see people and meet people that and realize that circumstance doesn't mean who you are. And I wanted her to understand that we live near Los Gatos in Northern California, which is a very affluent area. It's like a lot of people sacrifice so you could get here. And that work ethic jumped in there. And she was a, a person like Addie, like to go back to the original thing, we said she had had a bad coaching experience. It was just the communication style and, and giving her the confidence to understand something. And I wish there was more of an avenue. Like I run into fe uh, former female athletes all the time and I'm looking for all the vehicles for them to get back. The NFL's a little more, we're more popular. I mean, you, you tell somebody you're an NFL player, they'll let you talk on a podcast. They'll let you come and speak at a kid's thing. They'll speak at a graduation. I'd love to see more of the women do stuff like that. Like, I mean, if Addie was talking someplace, I would tell tell kids all the time, if you want to get coached, if you talk to a coach, does someone help your kid play volleyball better, call her. I, I talk about her, like, daily, like, every, every time I run into stuff. So I'd like to see more of that. I, I mean, I'm in marketing. I'd love to see girls and women's sports marketed better. I'd love to see what Kobe was trying to do with his daughter. Let me see that done more. You know, I know Jason has a question, but go ahead, Jason. Can I see Jimmy? Did I think? Go ahead, Jim. You know, I was gonna mention that Kayla, you talked about this. I, I feel like my my involvement and work with collegiate athletes and being in the college game on the men's side and seeing what you talk about with the women. I feel like the women uh, like they appreciate the education, and I'm not trying to stereotype more than the men. Sometimes I've I've helped men and and young men that maybe they're transferred from a school. I looked their transcripts. I'm like, what are you doing? They're, they're not even paid to graduate. Even that they might have a general studies degree. I'm like, what are you doing? What is this going to do for you afterwards? Like, well, I'm going to play professional. I'm going to do this and that. And I'm like, you're going to play professional. Well, probably not in the NBA, but if you're going to go play overseas, the opportunities to play over there is not as good as what you think. And having a long career over there, a lot, a lot of percentage of kids don't do that. So what are you falling back on? And I swear I see a lot of them just wasting like opportunities and resources that are available to them to get a college degree, 
to get something, to go after four years in college, five years, whatever, to have maybe a career that you can go into, to have a life for yourself and, you know, for your family, whatever you're doing. Because I tell these kids all the time, when you get done playing basketball, no one cares whether you had double doubles. They don't exactly. care whether you did a 360 dunk. They don't care. They want to know, can you do your job? Can you create value in what you're doing? If not, you're going to get fired and no one's going to be there for you. I don't know if you've experienced that type of stuff, Addy and Kayla, where you see like sometimes I feel like some of these kids are disabled through sports. And when they get done, they're like, what do I do now? And their identities in the sports. And now they don't know what to do. They're struggling in life. They're maybe doing minimum wage jobs or trying to fit, struggle to you know, make a living for themselves. I don't know if you see that and maybe it's different. I see it on the women's side, maybe being different. If you can speak to that, that'd be great. Well, I think it's funny. I'm speaking on that because I think it's everything you said, everything you said. And then there's another layer, right? It's um, I'm a black woman in sports. I'm an Asian woman in sports. I'm a gay woman in sports. So you know, if we could just be like, I'm in sports. Right. That would be awesome. Yes. Yeah. That would be so amazing to just stack with all the qualifiers and just be, I'm in sports. And yeah. in my opinion, that's when we win. 100%. Thank you. Thank you, Kayla, for saying that out loud. <laughs> when we stop putting ourselves in boxes, in all these categories, we can be free to just, you can be free to be what you want to be. And you don't have to put yourself in that box and you don't need to establish that identity. Um, but it is funny, J uh, Jim, that you mentioned the identity thing, because I'm actually, uh, I've been working on, I've always wanted to write this book. I've been wanting to write a book for about 12 years since I was at UC Davis um, about the transitioning process. Um, and it's not going to be a book about, um, you know, name dropping so-and-so did this and she made it through so-and-so did this and he made it through. Um, here's my story. It's not a, it's, it's not a biography of any, it's a workbook. I want it to be a workbook of taking myself through how I got through this really, really difficult two and a half year period where I had no idea what my value was, um, because I had played for so long and my identity was completely wrapped up in this in the player part. So when I started coaching, um, it gave me a piece of that sport back, but it wasn't quite the same as being a player. Um, and there's a huge loss. There's a huge sense of what do I do now? Like this is, this is all I know. And champions are a little bit unbalanced. And because they're unbalanced, we get wrapped up into most of what I value about myself is volleyball my achievements and volleyball. And if somebody else doesn't get it, doesn't understand it or value it the same way I do, I go through a huge depressive state. Um, and it went for a, for a couple of years. I ruined a couple of good relationships over it um, because it wasn't, I didn't understand how to be productive um, and where my value was at and what my purpose was. And when I found that, um, I, I am taking myself through it now and writing all kinds of notes and, and I want it to be a workbook of here's what you can do um, to help get yourself through that period as well, because there is an identity crisis. And I think for women in particular, I think of this as going to sound really strange, but um, I, I remember when I was going through this period of time, 
Um, I, I read this book called Women Are From Mars, Men Are From Mars, Women Are From Venus. And man, it was so cliche. I did not want to read it. I, I put it away for years. It's like, no, everyone's reading this book. It's so popular. Number one on the New York bestseller times. I'm not going to read it because it's so cliche. Um, and then I needed it and I picked it up and I read it and it literally changed my view of me, of, of women. And I, without getting into the, the X and O's of comparing men and women, um, essentially it said, you know, women, if we, if you put us all on Venus and we're all on our own planet together, like there's, we act, we're almost inherently team-like we work as a team. Um, Whereas on, on Mars, it's not so much of a team effort. Um, they like to solve the problems by themselves. But for women, when we have a problem, we go into our house and we try to work it out, but we'll come out sooner than later and ask for help. And other women will show up with casseroles and they'll show up with flowers and solutions. And, you know, can I watch your kids? Can I clean your house? There's help, there's teamwork. Um, so I think that with women, we're inherently seeking that team environment, that sport environment, that competitive environment. Um, and it's just now coming out um, that we can be viewed as these, uh, as people that have this aspect to us. Well, it's funny, I you, bring, you know, it's funny uh, you bring Eddie, because I actually know the author in our marketing firm helped him when he first started publishing that book. And yeah. I actually had a very candid conversation. Keep in mind, I was a young testosterone-filled knucklehead who thought he knew everything, and I was playing mm -hmm. ball and thought I was the man. And I read that book, and I'm like, dude, this is ridiculous. Are you serious? And then he pointed out something to me that was really funny. He goes, when you're around, when you're around players, both men and women, have you ever noticed that women, when they're on the court or the field, they they're, they're, they click quick. It's, they they get this stuff off the court, like, like oh, she doesn't want to talk or whatever. You like my boyfriend, you don't touch. But then when they're playing, they click. With guys, it's just the opposite. We're fine off the field. We get on the, we're on the court of the field, and then we just want the ball. We don't care about our teammates. That inherent thing you just said is like, I, I, he pointed that out. I went, okay, maybe there's something to this book. All right, fine. But, yeah. it was, <laughs> but it was awesome. I just I didn't notice that until I really read that book, and I reread it recently. And he's right. You guys inherently think about how to help each other connect and find a role in that little group. You may be this person. You may be a better cook or a better this. But you inherently do this. Guys are like, mm -hmm. I want the title. I want the ball. And getting young boys to understand that is just insane. I love that you two are both both for promoting that and bringing that up. But go ahead, Jason, ask questions. Sorry. Well, yeah, no, and I'll always say is I've always appreciated about uh, women that I've worked with or even uh, worked for is that their emotional intelligence is, yes. it helps like guide them with the making the right decisions. Like it's amazing how like they are so in tune with themselves, and like that's something that guys for the most part struggle with because you know like Jonathan is our ego. Like a lot of times our ego gets in the way of teamwork or trusting our intuition where you know most time women are like no just here's, here's what we need to do we need to come together we need to figure it out and then they're most time like they're calm about it. like some of the greatest leaders i've been i've worked for have been women because they've had that teamwork mentality of like collaboration getting other people's point of views feeling like they're involved where sometimes we feel like we got to be the man and like we got to have all of the answers and it ends up like you know and because it's like maybe it's societal pressure maybe it's traditionalism whatever you call it but I think we uh, we are much better off in a lot of ways whenever we have women in leadership positions sharing their perspectives. And so um, I just wanted to share that with Kayla and Addie because the people that I've worked for have mostly been women. And just their, just their leadership style has created so much more success in, in the schools and the places that they've worked. Well, if you look at, at women also, we – 
kind of again with this just since we're on the on the on the streamline of stereotyping <laughs> we we have 50 tasks in our heads of things that we need to that we need to do that we need to accomplish that we need to to have success at um and i think that being in sports and something that i tell my my players um is that just because one aspect or one area of your game sucks if you suck at passing focus on your hitting game and the confidence that you get from your hitting game can refuel and salvage the suckiness of your passing. And it's kind of like that for life too. We have so many tabs open that if if we suck at baking and we wrecked our kids' bake sale because we didn't like we didn't make the, the best cupcakes, um, there's something else to be to be salvaged. Um, there's another area that we can succeed in, and that helps you know figure out how to to find success when you're not feeling that great about a different area. Whereas I think um, a lot of men are kind of single task. Um, I got this to do and I'm going to go do that. I'm going to be awesome at it and I'm going to succeed or I'm going to fail, but it's this task. Whereas we're kind of, we're kind of all over, all over the map in our, in our head and to learn to compartmentalize and still um, succeed at something um, and find different areas to pull confidence from, I think is a huge lesson that we get from sports. Is that going back at it though? Focusing on your strengths, not so much people like, Oh, here's your weaknesses. And, make these weaknesses so much better, like strengthen your strengths. Is that part of it? Um, it could be. Um, but as a, as a coach and as a player, I think that one thing, um, that set that gave me more tools, um, than some of the other players and coaches that I, that I know, um, I was a really good hitter, um, in college. Um, and I was, I was hitting was my focus. Um, but because there was no such thing as the Libro position, um, I was taught to pass um, and I was left in all six rotations in college. Um, and that wasn't normal for a middle to stay in all six rotations. Um, so I always tell my, my players that yes, you want to master one thing, but you got to be good at everything. Um, so not necessarily, you know, if you, if you're already naturally talented at hitting a ball, I have a player that was played for my 16s team two seasons ago. And she is, she has a thunder of an arm. Like her arm does not, technically needs some work, but when she hit the ball, a very special noise came off of it. And every college coach's head turned and came over to our court because of the noise that, that, that was presented when she hit. Um, But I told her, you know, you, you have to, you have to be able to pass also. I don't need to fix your hitting. Your hitting is good. You can get away with that for a certain amount of time, but let's focus on your defense. Let's focus on your backcourt type stuff and and give it more attention so that you can be more well-rounded because you never know when you're going to break your ankle and you can't hit anymore. That's how I got into the Libro position on the Olympic team was because I broke my, I broke a bone in my ankle when I was hitting and I couldn't hit for this tournament. So he put the Libro jersey on me and, and said, okay, well, she can pass even though she's 6'1". Um, let's see what she does with this new Libro jersey. And that's how that stuck. So, you know, to that to that, yes, I think you master one thing and be good at it, but I don't think that it necessarily needs as much focus as other areas of your game. Hey, Something I want to do get into, Addy and Caleb, and we kind of spoke about it, is I feel like, you know, athletes, a lot of times they, they get into sports. Uh, some of them, they can be really good at it. And what I see a lot of times is uh, it could be coaches, teachers, uh, it could be parents, um, many different people involved in sports can almost disable kids. They can almost, since they're so talented, they let them get away with stuff. 
um, not doing what they need to do on a consistent basis to succeed. Um, and I feel like sometimes that translates over when they go into college, they don't take advantage of these opportunities. And sometimes these college scholarships can be like $45,000, $50,000 a year. They could be like almost $250,000 or getting to get a scholarship over four years or whatever it might be. And I feel like they're wasting it. They're almost getting used by sports, I feel like, instead of using sports. And I tell kids all the time, use the sport. Because when you get out and it's over, no one's going to be doing a lot of stuff for you. So how can you speak to that and how can you encourage like individuals that are in sports to maximize the opportunity? Like maybe they're in college and getting relationships with alumni and uh, being able to connect with people in the business world or whatever it might be. So when you get out and you're done playing, it's easy, as you said, Eddie, to transition into something through what you did through sport and you use it as a positive thing in your life. Well, I think that's where the whole name, image, and likeness debate comes in. And I'll go on record as saying I'm for it. I think it's a great opportunity for college athletes to make some money and establish themselves. But, you know, here's the thing, you guys. Simone Biles right now could be taken out the trash, right? And she could do a little one-handed cartwheel and everybody in her neighborhood would give her a standing ovation, right? But yesterday I was on the phone with a seven-year NFL veteran, team captain, and he said to me, you know, the only way I was able to play seven years in the NFL, Kale, is because I stayed angry. I listened to angry music. I swore all the time. I was always ready to hit somebody. I just stayed mad, ready to kill, go out on the field and just crush someone. And that's why I was good. And so he really struggled with transitioning post-career because he only knew how to be angry, right? So... I think to, to really answer that question, number one, name, image, likeness. Let's start building college athletes and giving them a foundation. Number two, I understand practice schedules, but if we can get kids interns, you know, if we can get them into sports management, sports marketing, get them into an intern where they start to have the flexibility. Like I can commit to 10 hours a week working from home on this internship around my practice schedule. That first of all, is an answer to acclimating them to the business world. The third thing, um, I realize in my work, we have about 25 to 30 interns at a time with Sports Philanthropy Network. Um, the kids don't know LinkedIn. And, and to be quite frank, most professional athletes don't know LinkedIn either. They're on Instagram and Twitter. So it's teaching, and, and it's our rule, right? Teaching college athletes to prepare for retirement, getting them a LinkedIn page, getting them connected to both the professional business world and the professional coach and athlete and team league world. So it's really coaching and mentoring. And that's what our, that's what our purpose is post sports anyway. Right. I like yeah. That. I would say if you're going to be on a social platform, that's going to leverage yourself. I mean, LinkedIn, I feel like it's been the best one. Like right now we we're able to go live on LinkedIn and some people might, might be watching this on LinkedIn that like might reach out to us way more likely than any other platform. So I would definitely agree about that, Kayla. Yeah. Addie, what do you got? Uh, well, one thing that my, that my parents, um, and again, I, it's a generational thing. And it's, I think it starts with, um, with parenting in the home, in the home. Um, and I see this with club parents a lot, 
like so many club parents. I just had my very first, I don't mind. I've, I'm one of those coaches that I don't mind dealing with parents. I don't, I, I don't shy away from parent issues when they have playing time concerns or whatever it is that they have concern with. I'm happy to talk about those things. Um, but I, I've never had a parent come at me the way that this particular parent came at me. Um, and she was fighting her kid's battle for her. Um, and the conversation went, okay, well, I understand that you're upset that your daughter's upset, um, but where's your daughter? Why isn't she having this conversation with me? Why is, why is she not the one asking the questions? And parents need to um, engage their kids in how to have hard conversations. Um, and the player shied away from it because she didn't know how to have a hard conversation. She had already assumed what my answer was going to be. Um, and she didn't want to have that conversation. So she buried her head in the sand and ran off and, and um, you know, cried in the bathroom. And mom comes at me um, all aggressive, mama bear. Um, and I was like, this is, this is handicap. I called a meeting a week later with the parent and said, you're handicapping your child. And I'm not going to tell you how to parent. Uh, that's not my role here. But I can tell you from a coaching perspective, um, when you fight your kids battle for them, if you don't teach them how to have hard conversations, you're going to have to do it to save them. And what lesson are we teaching them then? Um, so my parents, when I was being raised, if I messed up, I had to own it and go apologize to the coach and have the conversation, apologize to my teammates. And they brought to light um, what where my mistake was. And I didn't have time. My parents didn't make me work or have any internships or anything. Um, I think there's value to that. I think it's definitely a good um, avenue to, to push our kids now because there there's so many things to do. There's LinkedIn. There's so many outlets to use. Whereas when I was being when I was in club in high school, there wasn't as many of those outlets. So my parents didn't make me work. Um, but the work ethic message was there. The responsibility message was there. Um, but taking care of your own um, problems and taking care of your own uh, stuff was there. Um, and I think that that's missing in these kids. Um, and it starts with the, the parenting. What's the message at home? You know, Addy, you couldn't have wrote that speech if I wrote it for you. I love that part of it because we've all been coaches and we've all dealt with those parents. Um, it's more so in football. When we talk about this at Nodge and Jim and Jason and I, where Billy's dad comes up and goes, oh, you think Billy could play in college, play in the NFL? Billy's 10. Like, really, Billy is 10 right now. And you were having this conversation with me. And I've had those I've had those parents, and I'm all, until your kid is sitting with you right now, we're not talking. I mean, you handle it probably a thousand times better than I have. But it's I fully understand it, and like, not to brag, but when I was growing up, I had the same thing. It was, you're handling your business. You're going to talk. We're not going to involve that. And no disrespect, you know, you know Jordan very, very well. Jordan's mom had to learn not to be that mama bear. When, she, when Jordan was littler, she was that mama bear. And I had to go, whoa, 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 stop. That's Jordan's problem. Oh, let Jordan go talk to her. And if Jordan doesn't have a problem, if that didn't resolve, then ask the coach questions. Like I would coach her how to talk to the coach, but I'm not going to have that conversation. I'm not talking to the coach. I'm not talking to the player. I'm not doing that because I've been that coach and I've been the player. So I knew you guys totally handicaps them. And, but that goes back to what I love about what you, like what you do and what I've seen Kay do. You guys are excellent communicators. And that is something that when you teach young girls how to be excellent communicators, how to handle conflict, I think that is the biggest thing that you could ever do. And I think it's amazing, dude. But uh, go ahead, Jim. I know you have a question. Hey, Addy, I, I just want to tell you, I can't get an amen. Uh, <laughs> I'm telling you right now, if parents are listening, please hear this because I'm big into this. So I've, yeah. I've coached kids, I've had clubs and, you know, teams. And I tell the parents, here's the deal. 
you don't talk to me. Don't talk to me about your kids if they're having issues with playing time, they're struggling with whatever, with my coaching style, whatever it is. Here's how this works. I don't care if they're fifth and sixth grader. It doesn't matter. They approach me. All right. Now we can talk again before maybe a practice, after a practice. Don't approach me right after a game. Worst time to do it. You can communicate through me through text, email, whatever it is, and they'll communicate with me. If they're a younger kid, if they're like a fourth grade or fifth grade or whatever, and you don't want them to be by themselves with a coach, you can be standing over the corner of the gym and you can watch or whatever, but they're going to have a conversation with me. And if it doesn't work out well, and it's not exactly, it doesn't get fixed, then you can reach out to me and communicate to me. Because what I'm doing is I'm developing your child to have the skill sets to communicate with their high school coach, to communicate with their college coach, to communicate when they go work for somebody. You're not going to go talk to their, 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 their boss in a job and tell them what they need to do. It ain't going to happen to get fired. Now, <laughs> but I'll tell you this, Addy, so that I, I do this. And I usually don't have issues. This year, I had a dad. He texts me after a game. Right, text me. And he's like, hey, man, great job tonight. And I was like, oh, that's weird. Just this, this text, right? And then, and then it's like, I let it go for a little bit. And I was driving. All of a sudden, I get another text. He goes, hey, uh, my son's kind of struggling right now, having the confidence <laughs> to drive the lane, do this. I was like, oh, here we go. Right? <laughs> so I pulled over. I picked up the phone and called him. I said, listen, take this in the right way. I'm trying to help you. Your son's getting ready to go to high school next year. All right? So I'm, I'm going to try to – I'm going to coach you. I'm going to teach you. Don't ever do this again. Don't. Don't. You know what you were supposed to do. Your son needs to, oh, he was going to do, he's going to reach it. No, you said he's going to, why didn't he? Why are you doing it? This is not a conversation between you and I, right? So I had to have that conversation with him. We finally got on the same page and son talking to you. But like you said, Addy, I, I want to encourage parents big on this. Please talk to your children at home. If they're having issues, encourage them. Talk to their coaches. Go communicate with them. As Johnson said, maybe you're the coach. And have them be the the, per, the 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 child that's going in and role play with them, so they yep. develop experience in doing that, and they get strength and they get power. And once they do that, they get more confidence, and they'll, they'll be confident talking to their teachers, coaches, whoever it is, and they're not going to need you to do that for them. So, thank you for bringing that up. It's needed to be said, and I hope parents are really listening. Yeah, that's exactly, that's exactly what happened with uh, with my kid. And again, I coach girls. Um, my, my girls team, they're freshmen. So not only are they, are they girls, but they're, they finally made it out of junior high. So they've got the confidence of being in high school finally, but they're at the bottom of the totem pole. So their confidence is kind of up and down. Sometimes they're confident, sometimes they're not. And her playing was going up and down and up and down. And I took her out, um, cause we needed to win. And I took her out for a couple of times and she, the girl who went in for her just killed it. So I couldn't take her out. Um, this girl is sitting on the bench and I'm the only coach. And the reason she was upset was because she didn't understand why she was taken out. Um, and so, you know, I told her, I'm like, look, when I got taken out, like I, I knew why I knew why I was taken out and I was ready to go back in. And I let that, that, that frustration fuel my performance when I got another chance to go back in. Um, but I could see her, it, her confidence in her play has had been an issue all season. And to have her, I finally maybe came to the conclusion that maybe her performance confidence is lacking because her mom's fighting all her battles for her. Um, so she doesn't know how to solve this and her mom doesn't play volleyball. So now her mom is not a factor in her solutions on the court. I have to be that. Um, so I think that, you know, having to work through the, the confidence issues 
um, goes on and off the court. Um, and that happens, you know, parents can facilitate that or they can wreck it. But it goes by, go by, and Michaela, maybe Addy, you can, uh, you know, kind of um, speak to this, but I feel like in sports, we've gotten so much in the competitive side of like the trophies and the medals and the championships and, you know, the success we're having on the court, but we're, we're losing the side of what sports is developed for. It's developing the whole person. Like there's so many life lessons and character traits you can learn through the sports, like adversity. You're not playing, you're on the bench. Okay. Be a great teammate, support your teammate during that, that opportunity. Right. Learn through this experience. What do you got to work on to get better, to increase your confidence, to make it better next time? And I feel like parents, they almost like they're the helicopter parents, a lot more parents where they disable their child and they miss the opportunity to teach these life skills and character traits of the sport that they're investing so much time and energy in. Yeah, I'm happy to speak on that. Um, you know, again, the, the important thing here is being a mom to eight kids. Old for years, and I also spent a couple of years teaching, teaching high school. There's danger. There's danger in the participation medal. I think this solution is to ask each child raise themselves on. You're fading in and out a little bit, Kayla. Sorry, sorry. It's having kids effort. So I think you were saying what did they them. put in. I think you had right. you about having kids rate themselves about their effort and learning from that and the challenge with the participation thing. And Jason and Jim know the participation trophy thing. That is one of my biggest pet peeves. Oh my goodness. I just I don't have a problem with the coach saying, Oh my god, Addy played really well here. Billy was really good at this, like this. But our best player today, an MVP trophy person, is Jimmy. Like, that don't, that don't have a problem with acknowledging kids' contrib contribution to what Jimmy did. But that everybody getting the trophy, everybody getting the medal thing, it, it just bugs me. Just hey, Jonathan, Jonathan, I got to speak to this. So we're playing <laughs> flag football. I mm -hmm. we just gonna put our kids in competitive sports, so they want to play. So we play with flag football. So I got a second grader and a kindergartner, right? Yeah. Okay. So the kindergartner, the team at the end, they, they actually, I didn't know they're keeping track of scores and games, but I guess they won the league, so they got this trophy, right? Mm -hmm. They all get these medals. Like, you got to pick, like, two athletes, get a character trait medal, which I like. Cool. You know, it's kind of cool. So at the end of the at the last game, I was helping coach the second grade team as a volunteer. My wife's like, hey, you better check, make sure they got medals. I, I was like, I don't think they do, and it doesn't matter anyway. Kids aren't going to care. She goes, no, the kids care. You're an adult. You're 50 years old. You're different. I was like, okay. So I went over. I went to the tent, and they gave these these medals, and they were because we finished like third, I think. So they gave us these medals of participating <laughs> in it. So I come over. I'm running. I'm giving the players the medals, right? So my son at the end of it, the eight year old, he's around my my grand, my mom and dad, and my wife, and and the kindergarten. He's excited. He's got his trophy, right? Well, the eight year old, he's pouting. And I'm like, I don't know what's going on. What did you get the football enough or whatever took place? So he had to get some loan time driving with mommy. I took the kindergartner home. We'll find out he was upset he didn't get the trophy. <laughs> he didn't get the trophy because they didn't win the trophy. And I had to, and my wife was like, You gotta understand, they they won that league, but like you know, Pat Mahomes and the Kansas City Chiefs, they didn't win the Super Bowl. Tom Brady, then they got the trophy. 
So you, you're not going to win, win all the time. If you don't, you know, they give trophies. to win. So she had to explain it to him. But he was so down <laughs> upset he didn't get the trophy. <laughs> so, Addy, I want to offer you, Kayla, one more question because we're, we're coming on time. Is um, If you could pick one thing that you think, whether it's young girls, whether it's, whether it's adult women, whether it's women or girls, what would you love to change? You, pick one thing. you have a magic wand. Money is no object. What would you like to change? Addy, you can go first. What, can you ask the question one more time? Sorry. If you could pick one thing in women's sports, with whether it's young girls, women, grown of the Olympics, professional athletes, college, youth sports, if you could pick one thing that you would think would help improve things with women in sports in general, what would you pick? Money's no object. You get magic wand. You, you can make up any wish you want. Oh, man, that's a hard question, Jonathan. Why you got to ask hard questions? I don't like. That's why we get the big bucks in this show, you know. That's right. No, please. Um, you know, I think, I think visibility, I think visibility has gotten better. Um, and I think that there's starting to become, you know, with, with the woman that is, you know, possibly going to be the head coach of an NBA team and with women referees in the NFL, um, with those things, um, I think it's starting to become very, very clear, um, that it should be about the best person for the job. Um, not necessarily if it's a woman or if it's a man or if you're black or if you're Asian or if you're gay, if you're straight, it doesn't matter what, who is the best person qualified to do this. Um, and I think that, you know, using you at women's soccer as an example, yes, they killing it. They're killing it. They're so good and they're better. They win more. And they play the same amount of games as the men's soccer team, but they are killing it and they're selling more jerseys. Um, and I think that part of that has become, they've become more visible. Um, they're promoted more. Look at women's volleyball. We have meddled in the last three Olympics. The men have also, but in the last three Olympics, the women have meddled and it's not. And women's volleyball is on TV at like 3 a.m. in the morning. Um, and I get that there's some tricks to like televising volleyball matches. I think there's some, a, a little bit of an artwork, uh, some art form to that. Um, but I think that visibility, um, cause again, like I said, half the population of the planet are women. And if women can see other women killing it on TV and it's, it's normal, then there's aspiration there. And as long as there's aspiration, there's forward movement toward that. What do you think, Kayla? I, you know, I, I agree with Addie, and I'm going to add to it opportunity. I think the NCAA women's basketball playoffs really showed us disparity. So if you're going to give the guys a weight room, don't give the girls a hand weight tower. Yeah. You know, you, you can't say women aren't as strong or fast when you're not giving them the weight equipment. <laughs> Right. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So just the opportunity to to shoot their shot, give them the tools they need to prove themselves. I'm not looking for a handout. Women need to prove themselves just as much as men do. Right. But give them the opportunity to have equal footing. I, I think I think what you mentioned, too, Addie, the women's soccer. I mean, think about what they've done. U.S. Mm -hmm. women's soccer. I mean, it's unbelievable. And like you said, more than what the men have done, but the equality and pay is not there. Right. And they're speaking up about it. But to me, it's like, how, how can we not 
divide that up to where we get the resources and we can actually give them the pay that some of these men are getting and they're not even performing at the level the women are. Yeah. Right? Well, it goes back, like you said, Addy, what, who's, who's doing, who's the best at what they're doing and performing and you're going to pay them for doing that and recognize their abilities in that. Right. I think a lot of times we compare men and women's sports and it's not really, it's the same sport, same rules, but it's not really apples to apples. No, it's Where not. With mm -hmm. women's soccer, with this particular analogy, it's, it's kind of apples to apples. Like we play the same schedule. There's not, you know, it's apples to apples and the women have sold more jerseys and, you know, they're doing well for themselves. Um, and the men aren't having the same success from a result standpoint. Um, and yet we're still, you know, not being paid equally. Um, so I think there's a, they finally have been the ones to break through that threshold of um, looking through that lens and have gotten attention um, in that light. So yeah, kudos to them. Well, uh, Kayla, Addy, you know, thank you all for joining us today on the I Am A Champion show. Um, you know, I've learned a lot uh, today, especially like the importance of what we can do to, uh, you know, get more women recognized in sports. And here actually in KC, we have a camp that is a win for KC where it's a week-long camp where it's just only girls and they expose them to like 15 different sports in a week. And it starts at like seven, eight years old, all the way through high school. So I think one small step at a time, you know, we can make big gains over the next two to three years. So, um, Jonathan, thank you for finding these uh, fine uh, women to, to be on here today um, and to help educate me uh, and, and us on how we can help empower women in sports. Yeah, thank you, ladies, for being here. It's been a great honor. And if people are listening, if you are looking to that, we've got daughter coach for do community work. Kayla's great in the community area with, the, with some of our former players. Addie's an amazing coach out there. She runs a bunch of camps and things. You can look them both up on LinkedIn. I want to make sure they're getting as much shine as you can, i.e. giving them the opportunity of visibility. And if there's anything that anybody, if you want to get in contact with our show and we get in contact with the ladies, we'll connect you together. But we want to make sure that they get some shine. And But thank you again, ladies. It's been an honor and I appreciate you. Hey, be, thank you. been an honor and a privilege. Before we get off real quick, though, Addy and Kayla, Addy, can you tell people like, I know, your, how people can reach out to you and communicate to you to connect with you? Yeah. Um, you can uh, message me through Facebook. I'm on Facebook. Um, it's my name, Addy Hothschild. Uh, my email, um, anhcolorado at att.net. Um, yeah, email any questions or any thoughts or anything. Shoot, I, I'm always looking for solutions and you know things I can include in, in my book and you know trying to help in any way I can. Die with the most assists. How about you, Kayla? Uh, Kay Bradham at or find me on LinkedIn. I'm happy to connect and I'm happy to create hope and possibility through sports. Thanks, ladies. Appreciate yeah, thank it. You all, girls. Have you all great, have a great day. Thank, thank you. you. Hey, Jonathan, man, you know, uh, thank you for having them on today. Uh, you know, it was, it was a great way to uh, uh, finish a Friday or start a Friday is how, yeah. how do we help our, our, our women get more recognized? Yeah, they're great. They're great girls that makes me They're great young women, great ladies and stuff. And, and like, at, like I said, Addie's family. She's she. I, I honestly think Jordan might not have gotten recruited by colleges that had been for. I mean, the very first college recruiter that ever called her, Addie had called the person on her behalf and said, "Here's a kid. I think you should look at this girl." And it just it just spiraled Jordan's confidence. She said, "Wow, colleges are calling me." So like that kind of stuff. If you guys, if you're kept, if you have a kid out there 
look for coaches like her. And then Kayla is just great at community. She really has opened my eyes to the fact that there's so many things that were going on in our communities and the chapters weren't talking, NFL wasn't being worked. Like there were things I didn't know. There was a charity function two blocks from me and I didn't know about it. Mm. And so that kind of stuff. So being more aware and volunteer. So she's up my game as well. They're both great. Yeah. Well, hey, you know what, guys? Be champions today in whatever capacity you can be. Yeah, Jason, and, uh, by the way, Friday's not over, so continue to be a champion through the rest of the day. Hey, it's just getting started, right? Oh, continue to be a champion throughout the weekend in case we don't get the same for people out there. For my boys, J- Jason and James, happy Father's Day. That's hey, good. that's right. There you go. Hey, hey, going back to that, Jonathan, yeah, the challenge is for everyone to be that champion father this weekend. Yeah, exactly. Be that champion father this weekend. Even though we're the 20th most popular holiday, we come after Arbor Day and Halloween. It's okay. You know, it's okay, guys. We'll be champions together. Hey, that might be a whole other episode on why that is, though, because there's probably a good reason why that's the case. That we come after Arbor Day? <laughs> no. The reason why Father's Day is so low is there's some big father wounds out there. It's probably why, man. Yes. So yes. We'll, we'll figure it out, man. You know, that's a good show. Get some um, fathers in sports. Yeah. yeah. There we go. Hey, we just go. saying. All right, guys. All right, guys. Have a good weekend. All right, Thanks, guys.